Welcome back, fam, to another episode of the Finance for Artists and Musicians podcast. It's me, Danny Place, your host and friend. Uh, there are a lot of financial experts out there, but many do not understand the grit and sacrifice it takes to live a life as a full-time artist and choosing passion and purpose over personal financial security. They choose their career path purposely to avoid those difficulties, but nothing is more rewarding than living a life pursuing your dreams and making the world more beautiful it's not easy and many of our nuanced situations cannot be related to by a lot of these financial experts while there are core principles one size does not fit all we're all unique so today i'm bringing on my dear friend jeremy goldsmith to share his insights and financial journey as an independent musician i'm hoping you pick up some ideas that you can incorporate into your own life jeremy goldsmith is a new england-based music producer and guitarist with an extensive list of credits covering a number of genres and sounds jeremy has years of experience in the music industry with a deep understanding of cutting-edge technology and the latest production styles his music has been placed in the 2020 tokyo olympics hot 20 countdown american greed comedians and cars getting coffee house hunters international and more his performance and recording credits include debbie harry sophie b hawkins john legend gabe dixon john mayer but more than anything he's a great friend a great person who has some great personal finance tips that he's picked up along the way of his extensive career so yay let's get started this is finance for artists and musicians with your friend me danny plays before we get started, I want you to breathe and release any judgment or pressure you have on yourself because we are all learning here and trying to survive this thing called life. Jeremy, how's it going? Hey, Danny, it's going very well, thank you. Not too bad. I'm glad you're on the podcast. Always great to be here with you. So I'm curious. Why do you feel like most musicians are uncomfortable talking about finance? Well, I think they've never really paid attention to finance. I think in particular in our society, being an artist, quote unquote, is it almost gives you license to not really take the time to learn about other things that are like crucial and, you know, for life skills. So I think that's the main reason I think that artists are enabled. <laughs> and I think that that's been an issue for probably a long, probably like, you know, decades, centuries. So do you think it's more like cultural amongst artists or is it due to like the struggle uh, you have to go through to make it? I think it's more of a cultural thing. I think it's more of society's perception of artists and what they and how they're supposed to be weird and quirky and and then they they just are given um license to kind of not care about the things that most people pay a lot of attention to from the day to day yeah yeah i have had a few tell me like money doesn't matter we're we're passionate yeah, about yeah. it <laughs> like, i mean you- that's all well and good if you have a, you know if you have a trust fund if somebody's paying for all your all your bills and you don't have to worry about anything then that's totally cool but for yeah. most people that's not the case and and you know so you really do have to learn about other things in life other than just creating your art and if you want to subsist you know if you want to survive as an artist when you go to school for music is it is finance ever taught or talked about i know they have music well, business but like i mean i did take music business class in college and I paid, I mean, personally 
speaking. I mean, I paid attention and I thought it was interesting and I get it. I mean, it is taught. I mean, I don't know how, I mean, it was literally one semester. So, and then all the rest was, you know, getting better in your instrument, getting better as a musician. I think there probably should be more attention paid to that in college. Do you find having a music degree is helpful with your profession? I've I've never had to, I've never even, nobody even asks generally like what I've, what kind of training I've ever had. I mean, in my professional career, people that call me never ask me about my college degree. <laughs> I mean, I don't think ever. So, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm glad I have one. Yes, I'm glad I have one. And I'm glad that I, but I think more for the connections and the the growth that I achieved when I was in school, um, you know, and less about the actual piece of paper. What you learned in college expedited your knowledge base in music? Or do you feel like you could have acquired that on your own? No, I I feel like, well, I mean, that's a good, okay, that's a valid point. I never, I haven't thought about that in a while, but um, no, I mean, I was around, you know, world-class musicians and artists and I was just, all I was doing was immersing myself in, I mean, it was academia, but it was, it was focused on the arts with people who were, my professors were actually like playing with famous artists were, you know, I've had storied careers. So it's, I mean, it's a lot of money to sink into being surrounded by that kind of level of talent and accomplishment, but I think it's worth it. It would be a lot harder to do that, just moving to LA and crashing on somebody's couch and just hoping for the best. I mean, I mean, I, I think you'd want to do that after you get super proficient. After you, you graduate. Too. Yeah, after, yeah, yeah. Because, well, that's, that's Part of a bunch of my friends have yeah. done, and some of them are super famous and very successful now. So, I mean, you know, yeah, definitely it. You know, that can happen. Yeah, for sure. Where did you study? I went to school at the University of Miami, where, oh, you, where you are now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in Florida. I'm not, not studying. Not in Ohio. Yeah. That's right. That's cool. Um, yeah, it was a great, great time. I went there um, in the late 90s, which was one of the best times, I think, at that school, from did what you, I've heard. Did you go for... Guitar? I did. I went for studio music. My degree is in studio music and jazz with a guitar, jazz guitar emphasis. And then did you pick up engineering later on? I did. I, I, um, I didn't know how to do any engineering in school at all. I started learning on Digital Performer and then Pro Tools probably for like five years out of college on my own. And just like from online tutorials and then eventually YouTube and uh, just being in studios my whole life and, you know, gleaning information like that as well. And so when you got out of college, what, what did you do? How did you break into the industry? Going to college already gave me a bunch of connections with people that were playing professionally in the New York area. So, um, I was actually playing with the band in college that was had to deal with Interscope Records. Uh, so I stayed a little, I stayed like, after I graduated, I think I stayed a couple months and I, I just wasn't really into that particular scene. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, it's going to be New York, LA or Nashville. And since I'm from New York, basically Connecticut, I thought it would be a more comfortable situation for me to come, you know, crash with my parents for a little while while I get it together up here. Yeah. Which I did. And uh, then I just started 
reaching out to people I knew in college, basically. And those are the people that got me the work up here. Yeah. And that's and everything kind of, kind of snowballed, you know, where I was getting different, a lot of pretty eclectic weddings, tours, sessions. I was teaching. Uh, I didn't start writing music. And I mean, until, you know, years out of college, really, for TV and film, which is a lot of what I do now. What inspired you to start writing music? I was watching TV shows and listening, and I was just hearing the background music, and I was thinking to myself, I could probably do that. I mean, I know I could compose those things. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of getting the engineering chops together. And I had a pretty good friend that was writing for Sony, and he introduced me to this company, fledgling company at the time called Jingle Punks. And Jingle Punks, he got me into Jingle Punks with like a handful of songs I'd written in my in the early stages of me learning Pro Tools. And that's originally how, and then a couple of years later, I started seeing these songs on TV shows. Yeah. Which was pretty, I mean, it literally took a couple of years. <laughs> but, and so then I was like, okay. And they started rerunning. I would get checks every quarter. So I'm like, this is something that could be, you know, a good source of passive income, especially for a musician. So I started kind of getting more with uh, production music. Funny you say that because when I was at Nickelodeon, we used Jingle Punks all the time. So oh, you did? I don't know if yeah. we ever discussed that. <laughs> yeah, I think that was before that was before we met. But yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, oh, so when cool. you. Did you have any like odd jobs or did you just start working in, in the music industry? In terms of from what I was like when I first started playing like yeah. in high school. Um, yeah, I had odd jobs in high school. I was a landscaper. I was working in a bike shop. I was a waiter. Um, but I, I started playing professionally, like making money with music when I was about 16. Wow. So uh, maybe 15. So as soon as I started doing that and people I could, People were actually paying me to play. I was kind of like, well, this is what I want to do. I don't want to do any, I don't want to do these other menial jobs. Yeah. You know, I want to play guitar for a living in school. So um, I kind of threw myself into that and I really didn't have any other jobs. I mean, yeah. I mean, by the time I got to college, that was really all I was doing. That's and awesome. it's still basically all I'm doing. So when did you start picking up the finance piece? Well, my, my father was a commodities trader. I that grew helps. up in Fairfield County, Connecticut, which is kind of known for the finance industry. And mm -hmm. uh, so I feel like I had kind of had a leg up, even though I went into the arts, I kind of was always gleaning information from him, asking him questions, reading books. I kind of knew that you know, some of the secrets to long-term success, financial success is passive income and, you know, to, to the stock market in my case. Um, and that's what I thought it was because, you know, that's how I grew up. That's what I learned from my, from my father, basically. So, so I started investing when I was, I mean, actually I should have started investing earlier, but probably when I was in my like late twenties. Mm-hmm. Then I just kept on, you know, it's like, just like music, I would, I would practice, I would learn, I would, you know, I would get royalty checks and I would put them into the stock market and not get, not in a gambling way, but in a way that I'm going to generate long-term income for myself, passive income. Yeah. Did you have any like aversion to 
start investing or looking into like retirement IRAs, things like that? Or did you always have like a pretty healthy relationship, you know, with money and finance because your dad? Well, you know? I would say like in, in most of my 20s for my when I got out of school into my mid 20s, it's not that I had an aversion. It was just that I was not focused on that at all because I just yeah. wanted to be a rock. I wanted to be out there playing rock and roll guitar all over the world. So I was like, well, I can worry about this later. Yeah. You know, I'm an artist. And uh, so, yeah, there was there was no aversion. It was just kind of like maybe procrastination would be the right word because mm. I knew that I should probably be trying to set up my future as early as possible. I've always known that. Yeah. I have a similar feeling like when I was, I started working on Wall Street when I was 21 and like one of the first things they told me is like, okay, like how are you saving for retirement? I'm like, I don't want to think about dying in my life, like the end of my life when I'm just starting, you know? Um, So I definitely get the, like, understand the instinct of like wanting to put it off. And I, you know, I, I did some, but like not as much as I could have because of you know, just wanting to be in the moment and feeling free and enjoying your youth. Well, yeah. I mean, that's totally understandable, of course. So what have you found to be, or what have you seen to be the most financially lucrative way to make money in music? I think, well, definitely through, through royalties, through, uh, through songwriting. Writing is the most lucrative thing in music. It's, it's the way that people become wealthy in music. I mean, it's, Oh, either that or like, you know, if you're one of the most successful touring acts in the world, you could just, you could do it that way as well. But there's yeah. really no other, I mean, you know, content pays if you write content that people can use to service industry and um, you're going to get paid over and over for it. TV shows, I've had some shows running 10 years that I've been paid for. Pawn Stars is one of them say yes to the dress. I mean, some of these shows are just on for years and years and years. And, um, you know, but, and then when you're performing as musicians, it's like, okay, when's the next gig? Okay. Well, right. Maybe I don't have a next gig. I'm like, okay. Somebody should better call me. Cause you know, uh, so it's a lot more stable in my experience, getting quarterly checks from ASCAP than it is waiting for the next tour. Yeah. You know, that's that's my experience. Do most people kind of come to you to play or do you go out and you actively seek? I, um, as far as performing? Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I've, I've never really gone out and hustled. I've just always, I think when I had a base, when I came back up to New York and I, when I started kind of mining the, the connections that I had, then I just, that's kind of carried me through today, you know, to today. It's, it's been uh, like a, a kind of a, a wild ride <clears throat> i haven't really had to go out and hustle i've been fortunate would you say that it's harder to make it as like an artist a front man versus being in the band or you know i mean unequiv- unequivocally yes <laughs> absolutely because being a front man if you're not i mean you have to take care of everything you have to pay everybody you have to hire people to come out you have to hire side men you have to get marketing you have to get if you really want to do it correctly you have to touring is is crazy expensive so if you're doing it by yourself and you don't have some kind of backer um so you're the last person to get paid i mean as a side man you're i mean i go out and if i'm gonna do a tour i'll 
negotiate like a weekly rate with somebody or I'll do if it's a couple gigs, I'll, I'll do a per gig, right. You know, something like that. Um, so I know what I'm getting paid. I know, you know, I can, I can manage, I can manage that, but I, with, with, um, if you're a front person, it's like, there's, it's, it's pretty rare to make money Yeah, in that, in that, in that, in that way, putting the whole tour together. Interesting. Yeah. That's what I find. Something I wish I knew when I just started falling in love with music was like all the different ways that you could be involved and it looks different for everybody and everyone plays a different part, which is pretty cool. It is cool. It's a big, it's like one big, you know, it's like a, it's just teamwork amongst many different people. Yeah. It's a beautiful, yeah. it's a beautiful thing when it works out well, but you know, it doesn't, a lot of all the pieces need to be in order for it to work out well. Yeah, it's definitely like a team effort, which I feel like a lot of people, you know, the journey can be lonely, especially if you're, you are like the front man or an artist um, or really anyone because you travel a lot and you're on the road a lot and that could be, but like there really is a community of people going through it together. There are, yeah. And you need that because it's, it's tough on, I mean, musicians in particular have mental health issues because of what we're talking about being on lonely being away from your family kind of needing to be out for long stretches like on you know little sleep and maybe not eating the best and not you know it's like it's hard to take care of yourself in the way that you need to when you're on the road trying to make a name for yourself it's very difficult do you have any advice for people who are struggling with loneliness on the road touring yeah see a therapist (laughs) um well i mean you could commiserate with with your fellow band members but i think i mean i think if you're going to be doing that you really have to have a supportive spouse or um if it's you know like even uh like a a bunch of friends back home who can really like um put a foundation hold you yeah underneath you yeah hold you when you're down yeah i mean it's really important it's really important to have a support network really important so do you prefer session work over touring or how do you, yeah, what do you like to do? Well, right now um, I'm doing a lot more session work and writing and production music than I am touring. And I guess it depends on, it depends. It depends how you feel physically, you know? I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm 45, so I'm, I'm not feeling quite like I did when I was 25 in terms of being on the road. It's not quite as exciting i have to like kind of take care of myself now. <laughs> yeah you know so it's 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 a the whole different thing as you start to get it's not really like a young it's not an old even like a middle age or i mean after you get out of your 20s it's it's pretty difficult to maintain consistent touring at a high level and like remain in good health physically mentally so i'm enjoying being home but i had like i like going out for first stints on the road too yeah you know, i don't necessarily want to be out 300 days out of the year but, you know, if I can go out for a week or two at a time, that's kind of what I enjoy at the moment. Yeah. And you start to make friends in like little pockets across the country and across the world. And it's you get to catch yeah, up with that. Really cool. That's that's one of the best for me. That's definitely one of the best parts. Now, does location really matter to be a musician or can you be successful anywhere these days? I think what you want to do initially when you are kind of like ascending the ranks is you want to go to a major music center. Mm-hmm. and 
after you've established yourself, then you can probably live wherever. I think it helps to be in a major, personally, major music center. I, I think if you move to Fairbanks, Alaska, for example, no, I'm yeah. not trying to diss Fairbanks. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be hard to, you know, launch the kind of career that you would if you moved to LA and when you're 18 or whatever, 19. Right. Because you're, you're, gonna... you're just not going to have the, the opportunities. Yeah, you can network if you're in LA. Yeah, yeah. You're just going to be always, you're going to be, you're going to go out, you're going to see people that are doing what you want to do, you're going to talk to your friends, you're going to go to parties. So, you know, there's, I mean, that's certainly something to consider, but there's, there's a lot of scenes in smaller towns and cities too. It depends on what you want to do, you know? There's no, there's nothing wrong with being a big fish in a small pond either. If yeah, we're just trying to do that. Would you say LA is better for like pop music, Nashville's better for country, New York's better for jazz, or it doesn't really matter? I think I think it doesn't matter that much. Well, I definitely think that Nashville is, is the country. I, I know that Nashville is the music, the uh, country capital, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I think that's a, that's a fact. But I think, you're, you're, I think you could do any style of music in any one of those three places and yeah. be successful if you're good and, and you attract attention and you're you have something interesting and unique in particular, people are going to notice. That's what I think. Well, I, mean, I, I, will, I will say with, with Nashville, it's like you can be a lot older and become a country star than if you're in LA, you're trying to be a pop star. It's like, you know, it's going to be tough if you're like 50 years old trying to be a pop star. A country star at 50 is the uh, realm of what's accepted. That's interesting. Why do you think pop skews more youthful, but country you can? I, I think, I think, I don't know. I guess maybe who like people that are sponsoring younger artists are just making money selling, selling to a younger demographic and country music is, it's a good question. I don't know. I don't know the, yeah. the, the exact answer. I never, I honestly never thought about it, but like also jazz too. You can be any age and. Oh Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Jazz in particular. I mean, there's still people that are 95 years old that are living legends. They're going out and playing. Yeah. Like, um, Roy Haynes, for example. Mm-hmm. Famous jazz drummer. He might even be older than 95. I don't know. So, you know, there's a place for you no matter what age you are breaking into the music industry. You just have to yeah. be in the right genre. <laughs> but, you, but you have to be good. You have to have... yeah. You have to be at a certain level. You have to be undeniably accomplished and captivating in your own way and have a, like I said, a, I think that having a unique thing that nobody else has kind of would separate you from the pack, you know, and you have to figure out what that is. And that's part of the artistic journey. Do you find like for people who have made it and that you've worked with, there's certain qualities about them that separate them from the rest? Yeah, I do. And that's exactly what I was just talking about. The, the just the uniqueness of it, it's it's a combination of being completely accomplished and then having having a unique voice right. and something that resonates with you know large amounts of people. Yeah, yeah. The, the fame, you know, when I play with when I do tours or sessions or whatever with people that are more you know the like some of some people have had charting hits and grammy award winners it's it's kind of i mean i never used to think like that i used to think well you know they're just lucky because but then i started when i you know when i'm not when i've, I've played with a couple of people like that it's like 
it's pretty undeniable that that, that there's like ex- extreme amounts of talent mm-hmm. that are that's out there, and and some of some of these artists possess that, and it's it's pretty uh, it's it's amazing. Yeah, you know. Can you talk a little bit more about like unique ways to have passive income in the music industry? I know we talked a little bit about royalties, but are there any others? In the music industry, I mean, sound exchange, ASCAP, BMI, CSAC. I mean, you want to get on top of your mechanical royalties. You want to get on top of your performance royalties. Uh, You want to get sync fees if you can get them. Sync fees are when... Um, a company will license your song to sync up to an action, to picture, music to picture. Um, These are all very important um, ways to generate passive income. The most important, if you're not writing songs that are on top 40 radio. Yeah. You know, which many, most people aren't. There were some people are, but not, not me at the moment. (laughs) I also want to highlight something that I think we both do, which is collect guitars. And it's an unfortunate, uh, <laughs> unfortunate situation. It's an expensive habit, <laughs> but you can like you can make a lot of money on your guitars if you buy it at the right price, right? Well, I mean, the problem I have with that is that I never want to sell any of them. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I collect, I collect guitars, and then I just keep them, and like I never want to sell them. And like I don't know if I'm ever going to sell them, but. <laughs> But, but they are, it's like collecting art. I mean, if you collected like a nice, if you have an old Gibson or Fender that's in pretty good condition, it's probably going to be worth a small fortune. Yeah. You know, after a while. That's Especially how. like a, a Les Paul from 1959, for example. <laughs> Is that what you have? Something like that. Uh, no, that would be like, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh, wow. For the one guitar. Maybe one day. Yeah. What guitar are you on now? Like, how many do you have? I have like 30 something guitars maybe like 35 okay i just got my 13th oh yeah what'd you get it's not fancy it's a it's a gretsch acoustic but i i pulled it apart and made it a rubber bridge guitar oh that's cool yeah did you do that yourself i have a friend help me nice nice. yeah but i don't have it with me but i'll i'll facetime you and i'll I'll show it to you because it's cool yeah definitely definitely do that so what common financial mistakes have you found musicians typically make? Not saving any money, not having any game plan for the future, living day to day. I mean, those are the most common. Yeah. <laughs> what you're going to do next <laughs> and just hoping for the next gig. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, I just, that's what I've seen. And with your friends who have chosen a lifestyle like that, how, how does that age? Do they realize older or they don't care? I think generally if you're in that unfortunate predicament, you, you, you don't end up being a musician because you can't. It's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah. unless somebody's supporting you. Right. So then they have to get like a day job or something. Cause... Yeah, they have to do something else because you need to make money to survive. I mean, you can't. I mean, there's not really a lot of money, even in live performing that right now, it's difficult. Even for people that are very, you know, accomplished and, and everything, it's still difficult. So for people that are not exceptional, it's, it's, it's hard. It's, I wouldn't want to be starting out right now 
you know, it would be difficult. Can we talk a little bit about health insurance? Because you helped me figure that out. Of course. You know a lot about it. Do you want to share your thoughts on why it's important and, and all that? Yeah, well, I mean, it's been important for me because I got really sick last year. I got cancer. I had was diagnosed with stage three esophageal cancer um, in uh, April, sorry, in early May of last year. And um, I had insurance, fortunately, at the time. And if I didn't have insurance, it would have been like a million dollars to, you know, to keep me alive, basically. That's what it would have cost. Wow. Yeah. So that's why it's important. So get insurance yeah. because, <laughs> because you never know in life when you might, something might happen. <laughs> you might get hit by a bus. You might get cancer. You might get something else. You never, ever know. You Nothing is guaranteed. Yeah. I mean, modern medicine is good enough so that, I mean, it's great, really. And if you're in a, in a decent area with decent hospitals, you're, you're going to get all-star treatment no matter what happens to you. And, you know, it's not, it's, it's much better than it was even 10 or 20 years ago, but you really need insurance to capitalize on our healthcare system, capitalize on it. I mean, it's, we shouldn't have to even think like that, but it's, it's just the reality of where we're at is, is with healthcare in this society. Can you talk a little bit more about like the national marketplace and the state marketplace for insurance? State marketplace is where I get my insurance from. And basically, it's a, a couple companies that compete for your business. There's different levels like silver, bronze, gold. The government will give you subsidies. You don't have to be poor to get subsidies. I mean, it's like within like, I think it's like a where I'm at, it's like close to like almost a six-figure income you can have and still get subsidies. Wow. So it's well worth And this is if you're self-employed, okay? Like if you're getting mm-hmm. insurance through for an employer, it's a whole different thing. But I mean, you certainly if you're self-employed, you need to get um, coverage through the uh, ACA if you can. That's my opinion. I wouldn't go for private health insurance with no subsidies. I mean, it's- Interesting, because I found the Affordable Care Act to be rather expensive. But you live in a different state. That's true. Oh, so it varies state to state. It's, it's every state's completely different. Yeah. When I was looking at the ACA, it was 700. So it was ridiculous. And then I was shopping between public health insurance and private through like the national marketplace, which is healthcare.gov. And the public, which it sounds like is similar to your state, is based on income. But the private health insurance is based on your health. So if you are in you know, if you have a lot of health issues, they will increase the cost versus, you know, so a public plan might be better for you. But if you're relatively healthy, it seems like a private plan might give you more for your money, if that makes sense. I mean, but, but you know, nobody is going to stay healthy forever, though. Yeah. I mean, we're all going to, there's something that's going to come up. Everybody gets something. So I don't know. You don't buy it, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'd rather, well, knowing what I know, I think I'd rather pay more and have, I mean, I, I just want to get as, as good of insurance as possible. Yeah. No matter what the, I mean, within a reasonable and manageable cost, you know. Do you know anyone who's gotten sick and then hasn't had health insurance and what has happened to them during that process? I mean, I've heard anecdotally from, especially people in the business that um, it's like impossible to get treated. If you don't have insurance, you get in a waiting list. Hospitals and doctors don't want to treat you because you don't have insurance. And so they put you on a list and then you get more sick. And then like, like, you have even more of an an issue. Mm -hmm. You just don't get priority if you don't have good health insurance or any health insurance. I mean, I mean, you have to get priority if you go to the emergency room, obviously. 
Yeah. Well, priority. I mean, they have to treat you by law, but I mean, that's that's not necessarily going to mean that you're going to get treated expeditiously by a doctor or or a nurse. Hmm. You know, if you don't have a a serious, if you don't have a life-threatening condition. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, if you have something that's serious, like cancer or something like that, you need to be treated um, as soon as possible. You don't want to be waiting. Yeah. I mean, not having health insurance can tank all the good work that you have done saving and investing and, you know, I mean, building absolutely. I can't even imagine if I didn't have insurance, that would be, that would be it. That would be bankrupt and living at my father's house, maybe out in the streets. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's really not a good situation not to have insurance. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're here. You're taking a big gamble. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Yes, if you're self-employed, for sure. Try to get state or government insurance. And it might seem like it's a drag to actually have to go through all the paperwork and everything, but it's you need to do You have to do it. It's just like one of those things like paying taxes. You have to do it. There's no way around it. What advice do you have for musicians looking to have a long-lasting career, both on like not only the technical and industry side, but also personal finance as well? Especially when you're starting, keep your outgoings low try not to spend more than you're making Mm -hmm. and always every month try to save something even if it's a little try to save something every month and put it in an ira if you're self-employed individual retirement account so you can generate some start generating passive income and over time that adds up in 20 30 years down the line you're gonna be very happy that you did that especially if you're in your early 20s yeah very happy especially when you don't want to necessarily go out for months at a time where, you know, maybe you have a family and they, your priorities have changed or whatever it is. I mean, you still have to make money mm-hmm. and you want to be able to retire someday. You don't want to be just be like touring until you drop dead. So yeah. I'd say, uh, yeah. So, I mean, just fund your retirement account, even if it's a little every month. Do you find a benefit to doing an IRA versus just putting it in a regular broker dealer account there's a huge benefit because you don't have to when you if you fund a Roth IRA when you take the money out there's you don't have to pay taxes on it capital gains tax yeah capital gains tax on it so it's it's yeah that's a huge benefit say you you're you end up with a million dollars in your account I mean do you want to pay taxes on that if you take it out 15 20 30 percent no that's why you put your money in an IRA right and that's money that you know you're going to need to use later and so you don't touch it Mm-hmm. until you're you know retirement age yeah all right so what's next for you got a bunch of concerts coming up this summer i'm doing some theater playing in, in the pit of a local uh theater uh performance upcoming kind of slowly getting back into it after i was kind of out of commission for almost a year doing some collaborations with a steel pan player for some production music which is Pretty cool guy from Brooklyn, a friend of mine. Just set up my home studio. We just bought a new house and we do some lawn mowing. Got some, uh, we're going to be mowing the lawn upcoming. What is the best advice you've ever received? Uh, probably from Warren Buffett. Invest in, you know, good quality companies over time and you'll be rewarded over time. Something to that, that extent. I mean, from my financial standpoint, I would say, uh, from a personal standpoint, just treat others as you want to be treated. Yeah, for sure. How about you? Do you have any mantras? Yeah, I would say I saw this on my, um, gosh, was I in kindergarten? Maybe, no, maybe it was first grade wall. 
and it was life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. I never forgot it since. And I've found that has really helped me shift my perspective into looking at, you know, tough situations in a positive light and being able to take change to get out of a situation or to better serve my life than feeling stuck. That's a good one. Yeah. I'll remember that. That might be become my mantra too. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm very happy to be here, as always. Thanks for listening, fam. I will see you next Wednesday. This content is for general information purposes only and do not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. You can seek appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional.